Welcome to EDI on BIV. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver, and we're broadcasting today from the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. My co-host today is Brinder Buller, Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Brains Bioceutical. Brinder, great to have you on the show again. Thanks so much for coming back. Thank you for having me back, Haley. Looking forward to it. And I also owe you thanks for introducing us to today's guest. We are going to be speaking with Harpo Mander. She's a community builder, storyteller, and cultural producer. She's the host of the podcast, Brown Girl Guilt. She likes exploring the third space where hybrid bicultural identities survive and thrive. Harpo has a Master of Arts in Education and Society, Gender and Women's Studies from McGill University. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you join us. Hi, Haley. Thank you for having me. Thank you for introducing me to Haley Brinder. <laughs> Brinder gets all the credit. Uh, we, were, we were emailing back and forth, Harpo, before the show, and you shared that you've been on a journey to get to the place where you feel you can be yourself in the roles that you work in. Can you tell us a bit about that journey and where and when it started? Yeah, I mean, I've been working since I was 15. My first job was at Michael's, the craft store as a sales associate. And so I've been working for 10 years now. Um, And I think in the beginning, I was always just taking opportunities, um, you know, whether it was during my undergrad or during master's. I was just taking opportunities that were fulfilling some sort of a scarcity need um, and just saying yes to anything and everyone and not necessarily looking at whether the workplace or the team or the role that I was fulfilling was um, what I wanted to do, what I was passionate about, um, whether it was, it was reflective of the kind of person that I am and the kind of person that I wanted to be. Um, and so I, f- I found myself in a lot of spaces where I was really unhappy about the work that I was doing, unhappy about who I was working with, um, and feeling really disconnected from the bigger picture of what I wanted to do in my life. And quite recently, I can say that that's definitely turned around in the last couple of years, I've been able to um, be in spaces, be on teams, um, and be in roles that really fulfill um, who I am. Like they're fulfilling for who I am um, and the kind of person that I want to be, the kind of world that I want to build. Um, and I get to be myself in all these spaces. I don't have to change who I am. I don't have to adopt a different title that feels foreign or alien to me. Um, I'm being hired now to just be Harpo in these spaces and be Harpo in her fullest expression um, and bring her expertise into these spaces. And so, It's been quite the journey to get to here, but it's been a really important and needed journey. I think I needed to be in those spaces to understand the value of these spaces. Harper, you talked about the journey to to get here and the importance. I mean, you are uh, in the world of arts, in media, social media, and particularly the arts. Being a woman, being a South Asian woman, not typically thought of. and, And what was the journey to break that mold at home? Uh, to express yourself and be like, this is who I'm going to be. And this is who I'm, who I'm going to be and am. Um, and was there ever imposter syndrome that you, you went through now? And, and talk about a little bit about the journey to, to get to Harpo today. The journey has been difficult. Um, for the longest time, I didn't even have the language. I think language was always lacking for me. Um, even my undergraduate degree and then my master's degree were such, um, you know, they were so unique and they were so different that I didn't even have the language to actually describe what I was doing. I didn't have the language then to translate it back into Punjabi at home to be able to explain to my parents, to my cousins, to my family members um, what it is that I do. And um, it, it can be really like, 
it can be really disempowering when you don't have the language to describe what you do, because, um, you can start to see the confusion on people's faces of like, well, I don't think that the work that she's doing is important because I don't understand what it is. And so I didn't understand the importance of my work, um, and the roles that I was in because I didn't have the language to really describe it. Um, and then imposter syndrome, absolutely. Like I think imposter syndrome was my best friend for many years, um, because I would just be in all these spaces and think, I don't think I belong here. I don't think I add any value to these spaces. Um, and it was really hard because, um, because my expertise is in who I am and my expertise is in my experiences as this second generation hybrid bicultural identity, trying to figure out what it means to be Canadian, but then also what it means to be Punjabi. And then also what it means to be myself in sort of like an, an accumulation of all of those identities it was really hard for me to think that I belonged in those spaces. And sometimes even till this day, um, you know, when I'm asked to be on podcasts, when I'm asked to be in rooms full of really important people, I always ask myself, like, what am I doing here? Like, what, what do I have to contribute to this conversation? Um, but the fact that I have such a unique story and that I have, you know, a story that is not different from everybody else that that's around me in and of itself is unique. Um, so, I mean, I'm trying to make friends with the, the imposter syndrome in a good way and not necessarily in like a resentful competitive way to just say, Hey, we can, you can, you can hang around to, to remind me of my greatness, but not <laughs> hang out to remind me of all my insecurities now. And I've heard you in the past talk about blocking out the noise and mm-hmm. when you block out the noise, it really uh, helped you get to where you are today. Um, in a world where we're surrounded by noise, social media, it's hard to get away from that noise. And how are you able to achieve a one blocking out that noise, maybe in a traditional home setting where the arts is not seen as a, a viable career choice? And then as someone who lives their life uh, on social media and, and that is part of your job, how do you block out the noise there and, and still be able to maintain um, your personality and be who you are without being sidetracked and all that? I think you have to be really committed to your purpose. Um, you know, my purpose has been to um, help people. It's been to um, allow people to uh, become friends with themselves um, and to build community and to experience a sense of community. That's my purpose. And so my connection, my commitment to my purpose had to have been really strong throughout all of it. Um, I would just constantly remind myself of the goals and dreams that I've had since I was 14 or 15, um, anytime that there's noise around me, whether it's the voices of people around me telling me that my ambitions are too big or that, you know, they don't necessarily understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and then most importantly, the voice inside my own head, because our inner critic is so loud and it can be incredibly ruthless at times. Um, I've really had to block out all that noise and just stay super focused and committed to my purpose. Um, and to surround myself with people that help nurture that purpose. You know, um, somebody asked me the other day what advice I would give to, um, you know, women who want to be in this sort of work environment or want to pursue a culture in the, uh, sorry, pursue a career in arts and culture. Um, the best piece of advice that I could give to them was to build a team that um, has the same values as you and wants to build the same world that you want to build. Because if you're trying to be in rooms where people are not building the same sort of world that you are, um, 
that's when a lot of the criticisms and that's where a lot of the questioning and the doubting can come from. Um, but if you surround yourself with people who help nurture that inner voice and help to, you know, put like melodies in your head, as opposed to noise in your head, mm-hmm. um, it's, it becomes easier to be committed and concentrated on your purpose. Um, and it hasn't been easy to take on the role of admin in arts and culture as a person of color, as a woman of color, because this space is incredibly, you know, historically it's been really white and it's been, um, people who are in like who are older um and and it's been hard to look around and find people that can be you know nurturing that voice um but now i've just taken it upon myself to be that voice for somebody else in that room that might not have necessarily been there for me you've mentioned a few times now the concept of space and in fact i spoke about third space in introducing you and i think for many members of our audience what might spring to mind is the concept of a safe space but could you Mm -hmm. talk a bit about what you mean when you refer to space and what are some of the hallmarks that make a space an effective a safe space a space where certain identities can actually thrive and and connect with others Mm-hmm. So um, in defining third space, the way that I see third space is um, for folks like myself who have grown up in a place different than their parents grew up or, um, you know, were born in a place different than their parents. Um, we occupy a third space because we're half of the culture that are that's the country or the home place that our parents were born in. And then we're half of the country and the culture where we grew up and where we were where we were born. Um, and so we have like an amalgamation of multiple competing identities. And sometimes we feel like we need to be more of our parents' ethnic identity, or we need to be more of the Western identity in the country that we were born in. And it can be so confusing to constantly teeter between those two spaces, when really what I've been able to accomplish is creating a third space for myself that I, where I can feel all parts of myself. I don't have to, you know, feel, am I being too Brown? Am I, am I being too white right now? I can just show up and I can just be myself in this third space. And then in, in this third space is where safety exists for me. It's where safety to be my fullest self, um, safety to be, you know, all the different parts of me that I found not having a home in the past, The third space is a really safe space for me because I get to show up and just be myself. And this is where I get to listen to the music that I want to. I get to watch the movies that I want to dress the way that I want to without really having to go the extra step of explaining myself and having to explain why I'm wearing you know, Indian jewelry, but I'm wearing denim pants with air forces. It's just a space that exists that is safe enough for me to really show up and be myself. And I'll even go further that in the third space is where I get to really do the work that I want to do, where I don't actually have to spend extra time explaining to corporate board members um, what it means to be Punjabi, what it means to have grown up in Surrey, what it means to live in South Surrey versus Newton. Um, In the third space is where I get to put away all the explaining and I get to do just the doing and the being. That's fantastic. Uh, Harpo, you've uh, uh, achieved a lot, uh, top 25 under 25 and, and a role model for, for, for a lot out there. Um, growing up, looking at role models yourself um, and you touched upon breaking that mold in, in a culture male dominated uh, 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 career right now that you're pursuing. How can males in, in, in the South Asian culture or men in general um, uh, assist in, in assisting and, and realizing? Is allyship important? Uh, what are things that uh, folks like myself could be doing to 
assisting the younger Harpers or Harpo or, or people like you that want to up and coming and maybe some of your frustrations that existed with uh, males that stood in your way in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been really thinking about this concept as well. Um, in the past, there were so many spaces where, um, you know, I experienced a lot of men in general, you know, and, and because I was in mostly South Asian spaces, um, you know, I'll, I'll be specific South Asian men, um, where they felt like um, they were being threatened, or that they were, you know, their space was being encroached on by having people like me in this space. I think what they were, they were failing to notice is that they were completely bypassing the value that having somebody like me adds to their space, and how we can actually benefit this longer vision and this bigger goal that we have. Um, and so what I've been really able to um, do since then is to surround myself with men who are the opposite, who actually do see the value. Um, and I'm really blessed to be in a space now at 5X where the executive director of the um, festival, Mr. Tharun Nair, is exemplary of that. Um, it's little things like making sure that I'm part of important meetings, that you know I'm invited into conversations with people who ha- hold a lot of power. Um, sometimes I'll go into my email and have calendar invites to meetings that he's a part of with really important people who I actually don't even know, and they won't have a chance to know me unless somebody makes that introduction. And so doing things like that, like really actively thinking about how um, the space can change and how the space can actually gain value by having people like myself in them, but then also thinking about, you know, how they can add value to, to my space and how they can add value to the work that I'm doing um, just by being a part of it or just by making a simple introduction or just by including me or saying my name in certain rooms that I might not necessarily get a part to ever be in. Um, I think that's definitely a start. Allyship is so incredibly important because often women like me have to come in and advocate first for ourselves to be there and then we get to be there but for a lot of men you know they're already simply in these spaces and then that extra piece of advocacy that extra layer of emotional labor um, they're they're actually you know they don't have to do that emotional labor so if they could just pronounce our names you know in those spaces I think that's definitely a big start we hear uh, mentorship talked about a lot and, you know, I, I've said it, but uh, mentoring up, do you think that's important now these days of, of you taking your experience and, you know, bridging that cultural divide that you talked about generations who are coming up in here? How can we encourage more people and how do you create that space to, to mentor up? Um, you know, I've really been thinking about that because I've only ever existed in spaces where I have craved to be mentored, um, you know, and I've always felt like I i am someone that can receive a lot of mentorship. But now I'm starting to shift and think about how I can offer mentorship to other people. Um And I think the best way that I offer mentorship in general is through my platform, whether it's, you know, my Instagram stories about talking about my day, or it's a podcast episode, or just being in rooms. I think, um, you know, my, one of my personal missions is to be so good at being myself that it inspires everybody else to be themselves too. I think that in and of itself is important. When I was growing up, I didn't have any, you know, examples of people that I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, I was always looking for them all over the place. I was always thinking, 
you know, who do I connect with? And I remember any time that there was a, um, a South Asian woman in my orbit, whether she was a support worker at school, whether she was someone that was hosting a radio show, um, I would automatically connect with them just by the, because of the fact that they were a South Asian woman. And so, you know, you can't become what you can't see. So I think for me, I'm just making myself so visible so that people and especially younger South Asian women and women in general can see me and they have the idea of what they can possibly be. Mentorship is incredibly important if you can build and bridge a relationship that can be um, fostered in a reciprocal way, right? Like even when I am mentoring up, I'm also receiving some sort of, um, I'm receiving some sort of guidance and wisdom in return. So I think to answer your question is absolutely important because that's how I think we're going to be able to really get out of this rut and block out the noise and to be able to really stay committed to what it is that we want to do. I think often when we talk about mentorship or having professional allies, we think too about the culture in which that occurs and whether an organization is really creating the space for those kinds of positive interactions for mentorship, for mentoring up. Do you have any insight for how organizations can shift so that employees within them or people within them actually feel comfortable bringing themselves to the table and they don't feel like or fear that they're going to get shut out or that they're going to have to explain themselves time and time again? Yeah. So, you know, at the time that we're recording this episode, I actually just hired somebody for um, my podcast for the brand that I have. And that's new because this is the first time that I'm like hiring someone to join the team and to help like really create the brand in a different way. Um, and so this is my first time being like a quote unquote boss to somebody. And in the welcome package and the proposal that I sent to this, you know, really smart like, you know, wonderful human being is this is what I want you to do for the brand. And this is going to, this, these are your responsibilities. These are the commitments that I, you know, I'm expecting you to commit to. And then I left an entire chunk at the bottom to say, how can I support you? What can I do? Um, and this is where, you know, this person can put all the things that they want to be mentored on. This can be skills that they want to learn. This can be conversations that they want to have. And, you know, I, I said to them, I said, blue sky, this one, uh, whatever I can help help you with, put that on here. And I also made it very clear that this, this mentorship session that would happen maybe once every couple of weeks, or it would happen once a month would happen in addition to our work time. It wouldn't happen during our work meeting that is scheduled for one hour every week. And you know, that it's so that it's taking away from the work, but that it's their time. It's their hour. And I learned this from somebody else. I learned this from another woman who, you know, pays me on a contract to do work for them. And this is a system that this person built. They, they built it into the system and we meet every, every month. And, you know, it's just to share, it might not even be to, you know, get tangible things in return, but it's just to share and say, I know that I work for you. I know you pay me, you know, X amount of money every month. Um, but I still want to be able to foster who you are as a person. And I think it's because I care about you as a person. I care about where you're going. And so I think that is a beautiful example of how organizations and companies can start to like humanize the people that work for them and to support them in their passions and what they're, what they feel really strongly about. Um, and I think when you tell your employees and you tell the people that are working for you that you care about them, they in turn start to care about you as well. And they care about what it is that you're both building together. And I never want it to be transactional. I think that the, you know, the way that I want to work and the way that I want to lead, lead is very heart centered. I want to lead with my heart. Um, and I want to make room for matters of the heart in all of those workplaces that I'm in. 
This is such a great example. We've had quite a few episodes on this show dedicated to hiring, especially companies that want to enhance their hiring processes, that want to hire a more inclusive workforce. I don't know if this is maybe too early if you're hiring your first person for the podcast, (laughs) uh, but I'm curious if you noticed in terms of people who applied any kind of different group of people had you not had that element about the mentorship and the conversations? Do you think that you attracted a certain set of applicants by virtue of including that? I think so. Absolutely. Because I, um, if I, if I hadn't had it modeled to me already, um, I wouldn't have done that. And um, I don't think I would have hired somebody who I felt like I wanted to invest in. You know, I think that was a really important piece is like the mentorship is a sort of, it's like a form of investment into this person. Um, and I really wanted to bring somebody that I found, um, you know, yes, all the other things like, yes, they match the company's values and yes, that they brought, you know, a sense of um, forward moving direction. Um, but I also wanted to have people join the team that I felt like, based on this idea of mentorship that I wanted to invest in, that I wanted to actually spend time with and listen from and foster. So it absolutely shifted the the kinds of people that I was attracting as well, because the way that I was able to like tailor the job description, tailor the commitments, um, you know, all of that was supported by, by that. Mm-hmm. Harpo, uh, looking at uh, uh, Metro Vancouver, you know, we often, uh, it's described as a multicultural, is a Mecca and, you know, all this, diversity that exists. And you talked earlier about being visible. And do you think that visibility in terms of showing your presence, uh, your successes, your capability, do you have to reignite that once you, you know, go outside the borders of Surrey and, and you enter a downtown Vancouver? And I've often had this in my career when I go to corporate events and it was not very cultural. And, and I always felt that culture sometimes stops at the street and then the boardroom tables, it doesn't exist. How, how do we get more of the the business crowd that's listening today or the businesses that are listening today to to go and seek out the Harpos that exist outside of Metro Vancouver and and realize that the potential for growth is going to be outside of uh, folks in Metro Vancouver and how do we engage the communities together uh, more on a business and any any insights on that? I'm still really thinking about it. Um, I think that I've existed in this tiny microcosm um, of the entire world that is Surrey for so long. I'm just slowly now starting to see that it's really, it's incredibly valuable to leave and to, to go and explore and find mentors in different communities and to find people who are doing similar work to you in different communities. Um, So I, I don't necessarily have any idea of what what that looks like because I'm still exploring it so new for myself but I will say that for so long it seemed incredibly scary and it seemed daunting because yeah I mean when you get so comfortable in the space that you're in and you're comfortable with the business owners and the you know all the people that actually already know who you are and you're not doing that extra layer of translation um, it can be really daunting to want to leave that but I think what it does is like it challenges someone like me to be like well okay how, how well do you truly know yourself how well can you really explain yourself um But I would say to these people, you know, who who want to learn more about, 
you know, the kind of work that Harpo and, and people like Harpo do is that try and try to actively create like a seat at the table for people like us. I mean, we can have consultations with people like Harpo all we want, um, but it's, I think, most impactful to actually have people like Harpo doing that kind of work and, uh, and giving us enough room to make it our own and to actually add value to this, to whatever it is that you're working on. Um, I'm still exploring that this entire world, but I, I would say that would be my only insight that I could give. I think that's a great insight to end on actually uh, Harpo. It was great having you on hope to maybe have you back on the show. If that's something you're up for, but it was great to connect with you and thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting. Thank you, Haley. Thank you, Harpo. Yes. As always, Brander, thanks so much for co-hosting today. Our guest was Harpo Mander, community builder, storyteller, cultural producer, and the host of the podcast, Brown Girl Guilt. My co-host today, Brenda Buller, Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Brains Bioceutical. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver. Thanks so much for listening to EDI on BIV. We publish episodes of this show on Tuesdays. You can find them at BIV.com slash audio or by searching for Business in Vancouver on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening.